Hey, this is Chad Eddy with the Semp Health Podcast. Today I have a special episode. I haven't done this yet, but I thought on episode 11 I might uh, start doing this sort of thing. Uh, this is an interview podcast with my friend, my mentor, uh, Cliff Ravenscraft. And uh, this is actually an episode that I recorded for another podcast I was doing in the summertime uh, called EOs for Canadian Guys. It's a podcast for guys in Canada who use Young Living Essential Oils products. But I've just trimmed it up a little bit, uh, tightened it up to to make it uh, good for this listening audience. And I was really inspired by Cliff's interview with me. um, And I hope that you will be too. I'll just let you know the Free the Dream uh, conference that we talked about did take place this September and, uh, and, and it was great. Their audio from that conference is actually available free of charge if you go to freethedream.com or you could actually even listen to it on the Free the Dream podcast. Just look up uh, Free the Dream podcast in your podcast app um, catcher. <laughs> and uh, I'll be on At the end of this interview, it's a little bit of a longer episode for you. I'll be on at the end of the interview to remind you of where you can hear more of Cliff. Now, here is Cliff Ravenscraft. Cliff, you have so much uh, to offer anybody who's in business, anybody who's uh, doing anything worthwhile, anybody who's living their dreams. So we're really going to dive into some of those things and apply them to any, any dreams I, I guess that people have. Right. Absolutely. So, um, so Cliff, uh, I'll just start with, like, I started listening to you, to your podcast about eight or nine years ago. I think it was, you were the podcast answer man. And I was looking for answers on, I, I was, I was searching online, searching for, okay, how, how do I set up my stuff? How do I figure out what I'm going to say? What, what goes into podcasting and your name just kept on coming up. So, can you tell us a little bit about how you became the podcast answer man? Well, sure. So I started podcasting as a hobby in December 2005 with my wife. We podcasted about the television show Lost. It was just for fun. No desire to build a business or anything like that. But uh, we want, unless you want to go into all the details, through a bunch of very unique circumstances, I ended up having about 27,000 subscribers by my third episode. And then what happened from there is we started to attract a a worldwide audience of people who were really fascinated by some of the things that my wife and I were just authentically sharing about our lives. We talked about things like um, there was an episode of the TV show Lost called All Good Cowboys Have Daddy Issues. So we talked about daddy issues. We talked about uh, there was an episode titled The 23rd Psalm. So we talked about faith and specifically that verse from the Bible, which they misquoted and what that might mean for this, you know, the mystery of the island that was going on. And it was just random stuff. And people were like, oh my gosh, I, I want to hear more about that story of becoming debt-free. I want to hear more about how you do your budgeting. I want to hear more about how you handle this in your relationship as husband and wife. And I want to hear more about your faith. And it got to the place where, quite frankly, I just wanted to find a way to spend more of my time creating content that was having a powerful and profound impact in people's lives. And I wanted to be able to escape my nine-to-five day job that I didn't actually love anymore. It became a distraction from me from what I felt really called to do, which is to serve these people that have been uh, receiving my content, if you will. I had a heart for ministry. I I had a dream of being a full-time minister one day, and this was the best opportunity I'd ever experienced when it came to ministry. 
So for me, I wanted to be able to spend all day, every day, kind of just doing that whenever I wanted to. But I realized I'd need to find some way to make a living. Uh, and I figured, you know, hey, why not give this a shot? So after about 18 months of podcasting as a hobby, I started to generate some income from my podcasting uh, coaching as far as teaching other people how to podcast. And I was making about three to $5,000 a month. And then all of a sudden I realized, hey, I could probably make a living doing this. In fact, I was encouraged by several people in my life that you could make a living for doing this. If you can make three to $5,000 a month just in your free time outside of the day job, imagine what you could do if you were to focus all of your time on it. And so I took the plunge. And in my first year of doing this full-time, it was a struggle. I didn't know what I didn't know. Uh, but uh, over time, I, I just continued to go at it. One thing I can tell you, Chad, is that there's definitely something inside of me that podcasting allowed me to do that no other platform allowed me to do, which is to put my voice out into the world. My message that I consistently felt like I was you know, just new things, new insights coming to my life all the time. And I just wanted to share it with whoever would want to listen. And I realized yeah. that, I, you know, putting out a daily podcast episode every single day to one podcast feed probably wasn't the best thing because people would get overfed and it's like, okay, I can't keep up with this guy. So for me, I, over the years, I've actually produced more than 30 different podcast shows. That's not podcast episodes. That's 30 different shows like Help I Got a Mac, uh, Business Tech Weekly, Social Media Serenity, Podcast Answer Man, Encouraging Others Through Christ, The Almost Daily Devotional, Family from the Heart, it's a Heroes Fan Podcast, Twilight Saga Fan Podcast. I mean, I could go more than 30. And I've yeah. produced over 40, or no, over 4,000 of my own podcast episodes. And so just the fact that you said you kept hearing people say, oh my gosh, Cliff Ravenscraft is the guy you want to learn from. There was nobody out yeah. there in the world of podcasting who had actually created more content than I had. And so I was consistently, when people thought about podcasting, who do you learn it from? I was the go-to guy. That's how I became the podcast answer yeah. man. You, you really put in those 10,000 hours that Malcolm Gladwell talks about. You became an expert in the field and were able to share that expertise with others. Yeah, by the, time, by the end of 2008, I actually had put in 20,000 hours into it. Wow. By the end of 2008? Yes. And that was, that was like your first or second year. That was my first year full-time. I had already put more than... Yeah. I put well over 10,000 hours into podcasting uh, before I ever left my career in insurance. And I think that's where a lot of people get hung up, and I get hung up, because I think, you know, right out of the gate, I got to go and make something of myself. I got to be as successful as I see other people uh, in the industry or in, in business. Um, I got to be the next Cliff Ravenscraft, not realizing that behind the scenes you'd done, you had already put a lot of stuff into it. You had, you had this quote, and it really inspired me a few years ago. Um, I can't remember where it was from, but you talked about the myth of the overnight success. Um, oh, yes. Can you, can you just touch on that a little bit? Yeah. So not only will I touch on it, I'll read it to you. So it's from the book Overwork <laughs> by Jason Fried. And so I'm going to pull it up here. If I go to, I should have it saved on a URL slash... Oh, gosh. Overnight, I think, is what I save it as. And it says this. It says, you, okay, uh, you will not be a big hit right away. You will not get rich quick. You are not so special that everyone else will instantly pay attention. No one cares about you, at least not yet. Get used to it. 
You know those overnight success stories you've heard about? It's not the whole story. Dig deeper and you'll usually find people who have busted their butts, and I'm changing that word for you, for years to get there to get to the place to a position where things could take off. And then on the rare occasion that instant success does come along, it usually doesn't last. There's no foundation there to support it. Trade the dream of overnight success for slow, measured growth. It's hard, but you have to be patient. You have to grind it out. You have to do it for a long time before the right people notice. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's powerful because it's it's encouraging, but it's also um, compelling, convicting maybe because, uh, you know, there, there are guys, uh, families in, in our industry, in the young living industry who have risen to the, through the ranks really quickly and a couple of really superstar kind of people that people sort of look up to and emu- want to emulate and stuff. Um, but, you know, myself, I've been stuck at uh, senior star level for four years. My wife and I have been there for four years. And, and uh, meanwhile, we've had all these great plans and great ambitions to be the next Royal Crown Diamonds. And it just hasn't happened. But uh, that quote's just uh, encouraging to stay the course. Anyway, um, I want to move on from that. Um, I I really connected with you, Cliff, because um, it wasn't just podcasting that you were touching on. I mean, you attracted me, you drew me in with podcasting, but you kept me with... um, with your perspective on life. And, and I felt like you're a kindred spirit in a lot of ways. Uh, your, your background in faith, your background in ministry. I, I also have a background as a pastor. Um, your desire to continue in ministry, maybe in a, an alternate form or not, not a traditional form. But you also pushed me in a lot of ways. I remember sitting in a park, actually a lot like this, except I was in my car at that time, listening to, uh, there was a podcast Answer Man episode where, I think it was Podcast Answer Man, unless it was uh, one of your other ones, but where you played Napoleon Hill's um, The Mastermind, uh, I think it was like four or five minutes on Napoleon Hill speaking on a mastermind. And it really pushed, it kind of pushed a couple of my buttons because in my uh, my theology, my beliefs and stuff like that, I wasn't sure if, uh, where is this guy going? Is it kind of the prosperity gospel thing or the health and wealth kind of thing? But but really what it has to do with, and I've found this more and more as I've listened to you and as I've processed and talked to other people as well, um, is, is it's a mindset thing. It's not, it's not a, well, it is a theological thing, but, but it has to do with a growth uh, mindset. And, um, and you also have transitioned over that time over the past four or five years. You've, you've uh, transitioned in your health, but you've also transitioned your whole online identity your your whole how you put yourself out there you used to be the the podcast answer man now you're the mindset answer man can you talk to us a little bit about um how how that transition came took place and and why that transition took place well it all goes back to my original dream in fact i was interviewed earlier today by somebody that says uh cliff you know could you ever 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 imagined uh 20 years ago that you'd live the life that you have today. How do you think that came about or something like that? And it came out that 22 years ago, actually, I had, I had a, a vision that God was calling me to full-time ministry. It's not like a vision where I saw it and stuff like that, but I, I certainly had this calling. I, I, I knew that I wanted, I had this desire in my heart to devote my entire life to educating and Um, let's see, entertaining, educating, encouraging, and inspiring others. I knew for a fact that I was meant 
to encourage people to pursue the life for which they were created. That wasn't necessarily like this idea. I, my, my vision is that I need to devote my life to converting people to Christ followers. That's not what I'm saying. Instead, what I'm saying is I felt that my life was supposed to be devoted to coming along those who are struggling to embrace their true identity of who God created them to be. And, to, right. and then once they've discovered that identity, to help them embrace and live it out fully in their life and to help them break free from anything that's holding them back. I didn't have all this language back then. I mean, it sounds all eloquent and everything now. I'd love to tell you that 22 years ago I had this much clarity. No, it's, it's 22 years later I have this clarity. But I knew that I wanted to, to, to do this. So when I said uh, in, let's see, it was, it was January, no, it was December 2006, one year as, after I started podcasting as a hobby, I started to ask myself this question, Chad. It was, I wonder what life could be, would be like if I could do this for a living instead of selling insurance. The thing is, is that what could I do for a living, or what, I wonder what life if I could do, if I could do this. This wasn't recording podcast episodes and publishing them. It wasn't teaching people how to podcast. The, the thing that I was talking about is, I wonder if I can help people radically shift their beliefs about who they are and what they're able to achieve in this world. You see, those, I told you that I started getting emails from people all over the world. And these emails were like, hey, Cliff, I want you to know that because of something that you and your wife said and the relationship that I see you have and just a couple other things you've shared in a couple of your other podcasts, I want you to know that a couple years ago, I left my wife and kids. And I won't go into all the details except to say that I found this younger lady and and all of this, and I chased all sorts of worldly things and all this other stuff. And, and blah. But I want you to know that as a result, the direct result of what you've been creating, this content that you've been creating, I've made a decision to get my life back right with God, and I'm going to go back and res- reconcile my relationship with my wife, and I am going to be the father that God's called me to be. And I have you to thank for that. And I'm like, okay, how can I do this for a living instead? How can I have this impact on the world? Yes, that is creating content, but also being available to read those emails and respond and connect with people and and to encourage them on their journey. That's what I wanted to do for a living. Now, how did I get to the podcast answer, man, was the fact that I didn't believe at the time I had a mindset issue. I didn't believe at the time people would be willing to pay me just to get on a phone and encourage them. Um, you know, I, and I, by the way, I tried some stuff. I, I had this thing called GSPM Plus membership where people could pay $10 a month to have access to more content than what was available for free. And I was making $28,000 a year doing that. But that is a, that, that's, not a, that's, that's almost a fourth of what I was making as an insurance agent. So that wasn't going to do it. So it was really the way I became Podcast Answer Man is because this was a marketable skill that I knew that I had, that I'd already made some money at doing, and this is something that I knew would pay the bills. And I was able to build that to where it made about half a million dollars a year. So what, what happened was over the course of the next decade, I, I got rid of all the other streams of income where people were contributing to pay for extra content, and I just gave all that away for free because I was making all the money I needed from the podcast coaching and consulting. The only thing is, though, is about 10 years into my journey as the podcast answer man, I, I began asking myself a question, 
that sounded very familiar. And I said, I wonder what life would be like if I could do this for a living instead of answering people's questions related to podcasting. So it's yeah. a, 10 years later, same question. It's just instead of podcasting, instead of selling insurance. See, I got so fed up with being at the insurance office all day long, every day, sending people proof of insurance cards via fax to the courthouse so that they can get their tags renewed and all the other little minute things that were going on. I was a, in my mind, it was a waste of the resources that God has given me as far as the air that I breathe, the heartbeats that I've been blessed to have. I mean, it's, it's like a waste of my life spending these eight hours here every day. And I got to the where podcast coaching and consulting was the same. And, and I began to, it's like I realized it's this theme has been the same. I wonder what life would be like if I could make a living doing exactly what God created me to do. And, and it, took, it took 20 years to figure out that, wait a second, this dream isn't something selfish. This dream is actually something God has planted into my heart. And, and I need to believe that he's going to provide me all the resources to do the things he created me to do in the first place. And once yeah. I actually started to shift my mindset around that, I discovered I can do this. And so two years ago, I shut down 100% of my income, just like in January 2008, I shut down 100% of my insurance career income, and I started over. The only thing I can tell you is that my first year as the Mindset Answer Man was a whole lot better than the first year as the Podcast (laughs) Answer Man. I think you said you made $11,000 that first year or something like that? Yeah, as the Podcast Answer Man, I made $11,000 in my first year. I I think my first first month as the Podcast Answer Man, I made over $20,000. Your wife is a saint because you had uh, three small kids too at the time, right? And yeah, all that we did. Sort of stuff. Mortgage. No, uh, yeah, we had mortgage, but, but we didn't have any debt. debt. Right. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, I mean, there's so many trails. I, I, I'd love to talk to you about calling, uh, what that all means. But uh, what I'd like to focus in on is mindset. What What do you mean when you say mindset? Uh, and especially when it comes to, um, like, how, how do you define how do you figure out what your mindset is and how do you define wh- how to shift it and how to, how to create a, a different mindset maybe? Yeah, absolutely. So when I think of mindset, I think about um, the things that you think that cause it the actions that you take. All right. So, and of yeah. course, the things that you think, they're called beliefs. And I was, it was, I was 44 years old before I heard the definition of belief that radically altered my life. And a belief, by the way, is nothing more than a thought that you feel certain is true. A belief is not a fact. A belief is a, belief is a thought that you feel certain is a fact. <laughs> okay. So um, anyway, a belief, that's what a belief is. So when I learned that, what I realized is that all these thoughts that we have and feelings or these, the, that these thoughts that we feel so certain are true, these beliefs that we have – they are what actually cause us to do the things that we choose to do. Or they're also what cause us to refuse to do the things that we choose to refuse to do. So, for example, you mentioned the fact that I've lost a lot of weight. I've lost over 100 pounds and put on over 26 pounds of muscle since November 2014. And the reason why I did that is because I made a commitment in November 2014. I'm going to work out six days a week, every week, for the rest of my life, all right? 
And I also made a commitment I'm going to eat healthy and all this other stuff. So how did I get myself to do that? Well, I had to change my beliefs about working out. Now, it sounds all fun and awesome. It's like, man, Cliff, how does he do that? He just went and he just thought it and boom, boom, yeah. Well, I want you to know that for most of my adult life, from the time I was probably 20 years old and up, I've been obese. Like literally, that you'd go to the doctor and they would say, you are obese. That's what your, your BMI says. I'm not anymore, by the way. Um, but what I will tell you is that I, I went in and, and um, I struggled with all of this. So by the end of 2008, that very first year in business, I worked around the clock. I had a scarcity mindset, which basically I believed that resources were limited. I believed that if I took money from you, Chad, get the phrase, if I took money from you, get it? Uh, there's language yeah. there. So if I sent you an invoice and I charged you, let's just say $150, that means that now you have given up $150 worth of wealth in your life. And now and I've that, lost it. And, that, and you've lost it and now it belongs to me. Uh, right. I, I do not believe that anymore. But that was a belief. And right. because of that belief, I used to have a very difficult time sending somebody like you an invoice to have a one-hour conversation where basically I just had the time of my life talking with you. It's like I also yeah. had beliefs, by the way, that I'm going all over the place because I just totally dro- dropped the whole weight loss journey thing, didn't I? <laughs> I'll come back to the, the money. I'll come back to it's the money fine. thing. Let me get back to the weight loss journey things. So for, by the end of the year, I struggled financially. I only made $11,000. The only reason I only made $11,000 because of my mindset. It's all of the things that I believed. And I'll come back to that in a second. But I worked around the clock because I wasn't making enough money. And by the end of the first year in business, I ended up in the hospital and almost died. I weighed nearly 300 pounds. I was the unhealthiest person you could probably meet. And so I got out of the hospital. I'm like, I got to do something. And I tried a bunch of willpower stuff. And I, I had a bunch of up and down success. As a matter of fact, right after I got out of the hospital, I had enough leverage that all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, I almost died. I should do something. And for 18 months, I did something. I, worked, I walked 10,000 steps a day on average. I was eating healthier. I lost 60 pounds. Right, so I did that for a year and a half, but then it all went away, you know. And and why did it go away? It had a lot to do with what I believed. I got sick, and so for example, I was out of town, and it was the first time for a year and a half that I missed my ten thousand steps a day, and I had a belief that it's all or nothing. Another thing is is that I was because I was sick. I had you know just my confidence get got a little low when I was sick at the time, and. I'm out of town and I'm feeling down and I'm beating myself up about the fact that I'm missing my workouts and stuff. And now it's like, man, I did. It's like all of a sudden, you know what? I guess it's true what they say. And here comes the belief. Those who make significant drastic changes to their lifestyle, whether it's working out or their diet, they always end up gaining all the weight back and then some because their drastic changes are simply not sustainable long term. So you put you put a couple beliefs together, and then all of a sudden you're sick and you're out of town and all this stuff. It's like ah, why bother anyway? And then you go along with another belief that you know what I've always been fat. I might as well just admit I'm a 300 pound guy, nearly 300 pound guy who's lost 60 pounds, which means that 
my belief was that I'm a 300-pound guy. So why don't I just quit fighting it and get back to living life and enjoying it? And, and that yeah. has a lot to tell you right there, that language. Get back to living yeah. life and enjoying it, which means that by working out and walking, I wasn't living life and enjoying it. I was just working right. real hard. So for me, right. what happened in November 2014, I had a complete mental mindset shift. For me, I no longer saw working out, going to the gym, I no longer saw that as a chore. I no longer saw that as something that I had to do, something that was required of me to have more self-discipline. No, I began to actually change my beliefs about working out. It's like, man, what an incredible gift it is to be able to go to a place that has machines that's going to make it easy for me to elevate my heart rate while at the same time being surrounded by other people who are going after their physical goals, encouraged and inspired by the fact that they all decided to show up today. And not only that, but I get to listen to inspirational, motivational, encouraging educational content in my ear for the entire duration that I'm here at the gym. And after I'm finished, I get to post on social media what I did, which is going to encourage and inspire others. I can't wait to do this every single day. So I changed my beliefs. And therefore, when my beliefs changed, my actions changed. Why do you think it's so difficult? Uh, I mean, it's... Why do you think it's so easy for us to give ourselves the excuses that we give? Like, like you said, well, that's just how I am. That's, you know, it's, it's going to all come back anyway, so I might as well give up. Why do you think that it's so difficult to do the work that results in what we actually really want? Like, if I really want uh, financial independence... Why is it so difficult for me to change my beliefs and my, my attitudes and my thoughts towards that? Because you don't know the strategy to change your beliefs. First of all, you don't, uh, first of all Chad, you don't know what 80% of the beliefs that you have that are causing you the financial troubles that you have in the first place. You might, right. be, aware, you might be aware of 10 to 20% of the beliefs you have about finances, but the reality is, is you told me that you've been, if, if you don't mind me saying this, you told no, me that, that you've, you've had this dream for four years of reaching a certain level of success inside of the organization, right? And, the, yeah. the, but there, and there's other people who are doing it, but you have not yet made through the, to that progress. And the reality is, is that it's because you're not taking the actions necessary for you to be able to achieve that level of status, a finance in in this organization and you're also refusing to stop doing all the things that you're doing all the behaviors that you've got going on in your life that are keeping you from reaching that level you're refusing to stop them but the thing is is you're unaware of about 80% of the beliefs that are causing you to make those decisions by the way once you become aware of the beliefs I want, you to, I want you to consider this as a new belief. It's absolutely easy for you to change your belief. And it is absolutely easy for you to get yourself to take new actions. The only thing is, is you have to figure out how do I discover the beliefs. And then once I discover a belief that is limiting, that is not true, that I once thought was a fact, all right? I believed it. I felt certain it was true. But it's a lie, I have to become aware of it. I have to discover where is the origin of this. By the way, you didn't come up with it. It was introduced to you. 
Okay. Right. Um, and then once you discover, once you become aware and discover the the origin of that belief, then you have to actually dismantle the belief. You have to actually obliterate it. You have to actually make it out for the liar that it is. It's not true, and then you have to find out, okay, well, if that's not true, and that was holding me back, what belief must I instill inside of myself? What belief must I adopt to be able to get myself to take action on the things that I need to do and to take action on stopping the things I need to stop in my life? Wow. Wow, that's really cool. It's, that's, a, that's a neat process. I think, um, uh, who is it, Ken... Uh, Help me out. Ken Davis. Ken Davis, that helped helped you to sort of come to terms with where you were at uh, with your health and, and stuff like that and gave you the kick in the butt that you needed to start on this journey. He, he had the book um, Fully Alive, Living Fully Alive. Yep. Um, and uh, I, just, I just wanted to touch on that a little bit more because, I mean, Young Living is a health company. Uh, and you've, you've inspired me. I mean, I, I didn't, I've never been a gym bro, <laughs> even in high school, I was just sort of intimidated by all the machines and all the weights and I don't know what I'm doing, but after hearing, I think you had a podcast with a doctor on who talked about, um, uh, podcast episode where, where the doctor talked about walking to his, his mailbox or something like that. And he realized that, Hey, I could run to the mailbox and maybe I should start taking my own advice and start running instead of walking and then, you know, just kept on running and running and running. And I thought, well, I could run to a mailbox. I could run around the block. And, and, uh, and I started, I started actually running. I started running with the kids and stuff like that. And now I'm in the gym, uh, five days a week and I'm, uh, I'm lifting weights and I'm doing all the stuff that used to really intimidate me. And I have, I have a different belief about my, my health, uh, to the point where it's, it's not just my physical health, but it's my spiritual health, my emotional health, my mental health, my physical health. So, uh, I call it SEMP. It's an acronym SEMP health. And I think that they're all interconnected, but anyways, that's <laughs> maybe I'm going off on a tangent. Um, talk to me about how, how, I mean, I understand how I was inspired, but how did you inspire your listeners? Um, because, because we have a, a company that, that thrives on inspiring people to live a better life. How, how do you inspire people to, to live a better life uh, in, in their health and in their wealth, well-being? Yeah, I have, I have two simple answers for you. They're, it's super easy because I, that's the one thing that I can tell you that I've done since day one is inspire people. And, and here, it, I'm going to call them two secrets, if you will. Secret number one, be someone worth talking about. All right? So that's secret number one. Secret number two, do something worth talking about. Cool. All right. So let me exp- – can I expand on either of those? Absolutely. Go for it. So for, what, for me, what does it mean to be someone worth talking about? Care about people more than, than people would ever expect you to care about them. Go out of your way to really show how much you care. I, I, one of the things that I got to tell you, and by the way, for you to be able to do this, it'll be impossible unless you're absolutely in love with yourself. And a lot of people are really going to struggle with being somebody who cares about others because, quite frankly, caring about others might overwhelm you. And if you're overwhelmed about the idea of caring about others and really going investing deep into their lives, it's because you don't love yourself enough. 
See, um, I, there, and I, we come from a faith background. It sounds like we have this shared faith background, it, it said, you said. So what I will tell you, in my Christian background, I'm going to tell you most of the people in my traditional ministry background had been conditioned not to love themselves. We've been conditioned to put others first. And I want you to hear yeah. me. When I say serve others, care about others, way more than they could ever dream of being cared for, I am not saying put others before yourself. Instead, what I am saying is that you need to absolutely be in love with who you are. Embrace who you are fully. Your your flaws, your quirks, your weaknesses, and all that other stuff. But also, invest in yourself. Put yourself first above others. <laughs> that, I know I'm danger. <laughs> I, I know I'm 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 causing a little bit of tension in the line, minds of some listeners. That's stroking the cast back backwards. I yes. <laughs> so so he, where do I get this? Well, let's go to the Bible and and think about when Jesus was asked, "What? Hey, good teacher, what is the greatest commandment?" And it's love the Lord your God with all your soul, your mind, your strength. Basically, love the Lord your God with everything you got, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. And he said, the second commandment is like it. He said, love your neighbor what? As yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And if you do not love yourself, you're going to suck at loving your neighbor. This, my friends, begin putting yourself first. Invest in in your physical health and fitness. Invest in your financial success. Invest in your relationship with your spouse. Invest in... Why do you think there's this this part where it's like, listen, hey, don't let these people be leaders if they can't even take care of their own lives. Yeah. These people need to find... Before these people are going to be commissioned to love others and serve others... They need to surf. They need to start with themselves, so that they can love others. Jesus, yeah, that's what Jesus accused the Pharisees of: is being blind guides. So it's people who told other people, "Hey, do this and do this and do this." Maybe because then God will like you more, or maybe because then you'll live your best life. But they're unwilling to do the things themselves. So yeah, I can I can totally see what you're saying. So for step number one, or secret number one, is that you absolutely must become somebody somebody worth talking about, and that means that you're going to be. You, this is I know this one's going to stroke the cat the back way as well. Uh, you're going to need to get comfortable talking about yourself. And how awesome you are. And about the awesome yeah. things you're doing. And now that may sound a little extreme, but I'm only going to the extreme just so you'll rubber band about uh, to the point where you're not afraid to tell the world about something exciting that happened in your life. I mean, right. seriously. So, so the, Chad, the, one of the things is, is there are so many things you said, man, back in the podcast Answer Man days, it was initially the podcasting that I discovered you, but it was, there were so many things about you that inspired me. It's because I kept telling you about what's going on in my life. Right. Right? Cool. I kept telling you where I was, who I am, and I was consistently investing in who I am and growing. That's number one. Be someone worth talking about. Number two, do something worth talking about. Do something extraordinary. You were not created to be ordinary. Ordinary is, is broke, obese, overwhelmed, depressed. That's ordinary. Do something out of the ordinary. Make a bold proclamation. 
some of the things, by the way, I'm quitting my life. I'm quitting a career as an insurance agent in a family-run insurance agency owned by my mom and dad, started in 1937 by my grandfather. If I don't leave this business, I will be a multi, multi, multi-millionaire guaranteed. I'm leaving all of that to pursue podcasting full-time. All right? I made $11,000 my first year. Let me tell you something. That was worth talking about. And a lot of people talked about it. All right? And then after that, it's like, okay, hey, now what do I do? It's like I built a half a million dollar a year business. September 2017. Guess what I did? I shut the whole thing down. Zero income. And I said, guys, I'm going to show you that I can. I learned that I can make a living doing the work God created me to do. And I'm going to trust that I'm going to do it. So watch this. That was worth talking about. I said, hey, guys, I know I've had this up and down journey of my physical fitness and health, but watch this. I'm telling you November 14th, 2014, starting today, every day, this is the first day of the rest of my life. I'm working out six days a week every week for the rest of my life. And I've been doing it. All right. And then not only that, but I made a commitment just over a year and a half ago. I will never eat sugar again in my life. And watch. I mean, these are crazy things. Normal people don't (laughs) say this stuff. Yeah. So if you want to know how do I inspire people, number one, I'm committed to loving myself and being someone worth talking about. I'm I'm committed to investing in growing all the time. I want to be a better version of me. You talked earlier about it's like, you know, it's like, hey, you know, I, I got to try not to get upset that I'm not where those people are. It's like, listen, I don't ever want to be those people. I want to be the best version of me that God created me to be. That's all I care about. I, I'm in love with me cool. because God is in love with me. There's nothing wrong with being in love with yourself. And in fact, it's, a, it's the second greatest commandment. Jesus actually fish, finished that up, by the way. He says, love others like yourself. And then, yes, the first one, love God with everything you got, right? All of the commandments, everything in all of your theology, everything is summed up in those two. If you don't know anything else, love God with everything you got and love yourself and then serve others the way that you love yourself. That's all that matters. Yeah. That's good stuff. That's awesome. Um, Your ministry has been transformative in my life. I mean, you've, you've introduced me to uh, Gay Hendricks. I, I read his book because I heard it on your podcast. I think uh, even T. Harv Ecker, which I'm not even sure if you've read his whole book yet, but oh, yeah. I think I heard about him. For, oh, yeah. Uh, I think I heard about him first on your podcast, Napoleon Hill. A lot of uh, Tony Robbins, even you've been talking about lately. Um, a lot of these people who have been impacting my life, I kind of heard first from you. So your, your ministry has been transformative in my life. I'm personally excited about your annual Free the Dream conference. Um, the next one's coming up this September. What can you tell people about the Free the Dream conference? Well, the Free the Dream conference is something that God put on my heart to do. That's why I needed to free myself from all the distraction of the hundreds of emails that I was getting every week about what cable people needed to hook up to their mixer. And so <laughs> Free the Dream conference is specifically for people who are experiencing a gap between the things that they say they're going to do, the things that they want to do, the things they know that they should do in their life. Their behavior just isn't lining up with what they know they ought to be doing. There's a gap between what they say they're going to do and what they end up doing. Maybe they can bridge the gap there for six weeks, six months, 
but really, rarely has it ever lasted, you know, long term. I will tell you, come to Free the Dream Conference, and you'll learn how to shift and change your beliefs in a single weekend. And the things that you've been trying to incorporate into your life, like this new behavior, whether it's working out, stop eating uh, crap food, uh, (laughs) stop working and, and, and charging little amounts of money, but you know, charge triple your rates and all this other stuff, whatever behaviors that you've been trying to get yourself to do for the last, I don't know, four, 10, 15 years, in one weekend, you'll walk away from this event and you will not be able to not do those activities moving forward. In a single weekend, this event is meant to help you transform your beliefs about who you are and what you're able to achieve. And it will give you all of the techniques, tools, and strategies that I have learned over the years from all of those people that you've talked about. And quite frankly, if you just go to uh, freethedreamconference.com and watch all of the testimonials that you can find at that page. And there's always new testimonials being added, by the way. But watch all the testimonials. Those transformations... They happened to every single person who was at the very first ever Free the Dream Conference in 2018. And that transformation is waiting for you in the next one. And yeah. even, if, even if it's not 2019, I've been telling people, uh, Chad, I said, if you're listening to my voice and there's people who will listen to this podcast, assuming you don't ever take these offline, there are going to be people who are listening to this episode, you and I, recording this in July 23rd, 2019. There's going to be somebody listening in July of 2025. They can go to freethedreamconference.com, and by that time, you can come to one of our stadium events. <laughs> awesome. I love it. Um, last year, you had uh, Dan Miller and Ray Edwards, uh, Leslie Samuel. You yourself did six sessions. Your wife did a session. You had a couple of other other great keynote speakers. Do you, do you know what your lineup is yet? Do you, are you advertising what your lineup is yet for this yeah, year? It's over at freethedreamconference.com. Most of my speakers are coming back this year. Dan is actually getting ready to make a big, huge transition in his life, so he wasn't able to come back. But yeah, there's, there's some amazing uh, speakers that are lined up, and I believe I will be doing eight se- sessions this year. We've actually extended wow. the length of Friday and Saturday. We added, a, I think, another two hours onto each of those days because there's more we want to share. It's it's going to be cool. the most incredible life transformational event that you'll ever be a part of. I, and I can I, that's a bold statement. And, and Chad, I think you know enough yeah, to know me that is. I'm all about under promising and over delivering. And so I, I yeah. I'd love for anybody to come out to Free the Dream Conference and and see how I could over... How is it possible that I could over-deliver on that statement? And by the way, I will not transform your life. All I will do is I will get up on stage and I will teach some techniques, tools, tips, and strategies that God has introduced to me and has shown me how I can apply those to my life and how they are in alignment with what He has laid on my heart as being uh, in accordance to His will for myself and for all of us. And it's actually going to be God that's going to give you all the things that you need to be able to finally make those transitions and transformations in your life. I I believe that God put me on this planet to have this, to expose as many people as possible to this before I, I, I wear out the heart that's in my chest. All right, so that was my interview from this July with Cliff Ravenscraft. I hope you enjoyed that. And uh, if you'd like to hear more from Cliff, including 
the sessions that he and the other guests did at his Free the Dream conference in September, go to the Free the Dream podcast. As for me, next episode, I'm going to be talking about Chapter 4 from The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, a book that was actually introduced to me by Cliff Ravenscraft. Talk to you then. Thank you.